Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Animation Fascination. I'm Mark Bibber, and with me again is Stanford Clark. Hey, how's it going? Uh, and this podcast focuses on the world of animation. Each episode, we feature all the latest news from around the animation industry and a main topic discussing a TV series, film, or something else, whether it's traditionally hand-drawn, computer-generated, or stop-motion. If it's animated, it is up for discussion to geek out about. So this week is episode 92 of Animation Fascination. Uh, and our main topic this week is going to be about Netflix's Intergalactic, uh, which is uh, kind of uh, Kid Cudi's, uh, more or less, um, what would you call it? I don't like it's it's because it's kind of like a multimedia project because he mm-hmm. did this and it's it's like with the, the new album that he put out as well. Uh, and there's kind of a, like a comic book uh, interconnected with it. Uh, all that to be said, we will be talking about that film a little bit later in this episode. But first, uh, what we're going to be talking about. Uh, we haven't done this segment uh, in a few weeks, uh, but doing our interview with uh, Cinemark, new releases. So this week, uh, it's kind of three things that are kind of tangentially connected to one another, uh, at least within like the DC universe. Uh, we recently did an episode or a few back, our, like our full review on this movie, the DC League of Super Pets, uh, and spoke on that. It then came out recently on the 4th, so about this past week or so, on physical media. Uh, so I have the, the 4K disc for that, and the that that looks really great um, on physical media. Like, a physical media release will always look a little bit better than like, something that you stream, uh, just because then you're your viewing if it's not fully reliant like on whatever your internet speed is yeah uh, so it'll always look a little bit a little crisper that way too and you and I, I we both enjoyed this when we talked about it a couple weeks back uh, but what's kind of cool with this uh, set is there's a few additional bonus features on here that I haven't seen yet but there's so there's how to draw crypto uh, which is just like a kind of a a younger skewing uh, special feature uh, that has uh, basically like a how-to draw crypto on there. Uh, there's a behind the super voices which shows all of the uh, voice actors that worked on this film and like who went into like bringing them to life. So like John Krasinski, uh, Jamila Jamil, uh, Keanu Reeves, so on and so forth. Uh, there's the world of super pets which is kind of like a uh, kind of going into the like you know like the DC Comics world and characters there, uh, and ex- explaining that a little bit further. There's an Easter eggs uh, feature where it'll go into explaining a little bit further some of um, like the nods to the comics as well as like other films and things like that. Like obviously you and I noticed some of the stuff at the beginning of that movie that was like very um, much a homage to like the 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 Richard Donner films with yes. the Marlon Brando and Christopher Reeve from the seventies. And then there's some deleted scenes on there as well too. Uh, so this is available now to pick up, uh, as well as the digital copy that was already available before that. You can hear my, my own super pet playing with her <laughs> toy, probably in the, in the background. Super, yeah. super silly. He chose you on yeah, she chose to play with a squeaky toy in a room where, where we're recording this. Hi, Sylvie. 
anyways, uh, to to go from that, uh, like I said, these are all kind of tangentially connected. Is the season two Superman and Lois the uh, the series that's on the CW? So going from animated Superman to a live action Superman, but that uses visual effects. Uh, this uh, just came out recently as well on September 27th. Uh, and on here, uh, this only has like a, f a couple of bonus features. It has uh, basically a like behind the scenes, um, I don't know the best way to explain it, like a backstory for the character of Bizarro uh, as he was like one of the, the main characters in season two of here. And then uh, DC Heroes Paths to glory which is like another feature that uh, kind of goes a little bit more into like the the different like hair yeah heroes in the arrowverse on the cw as well too so there's not too many bonus features on that set other than you know like the the full se second season of that show uh so if you haven't checked that out yet too it's always i would always actually recommend with these to if you can avoid the cw app uh to avoid it and try to either watch it uh, when it premieres on like hbo max or to pick up the physical release for it just because then you're not having to deal with that that really fun cw app um but the the blu-ray for this looks really great as well too the way this show is shot is very different than most of the cw shows too it's shot with like a like a wider angle lens and um, like a more kind of theatrical aspect ratio to it so it's it's got a little bit of like the letterboxing on the the top and the bottom of the screens as opposed to like filling the full uh like 16 by 9 on there too uh and so like with the both those features too the the bizarre one's about 10 minutes long and then is with the like one of the executive producers of the show and just talks about the primary villain of the season, like I said. And then that second one is about 18 minutes or so. Uh, so that one has like the executive producer from The Flash on there, as well as executive producer from uh, Batwoman. Um, and then it takes, like I said, like a broader look at the Arrowverse characters on their like own respective shows and others. Um, which is interesting uh, specifically for this show uh this year too because they it's not too much of a spoiler in the fact that they just kind of reveal like this show is set like on a different earth than like those other than than the other Arrowverse shows after they just spent like there's a recent special in the past few years or so for crisis and infinite earths uh, where they they merged them all together finally to make it easier and then the pandemic happened and some of the shows ended so now they're like oh we need to split them apart again um so that was kind of a interesting thing that happened there with with that show because of everything that's happened the, the past few years uh and then the last one is the flash season eight and that this is the only one that actually hasn't come out yet this one is going to be coming out on October 18th, so just about a, a week from when we're recording this on October 11th of 2022. Uh, and this season, 
uh, I thought it was pretty good. Um, there's a, it was definitely a little bit better than season seven on here as well too. It has that same uh, DC Heroes Paths to Glory special feature, so it seems like any of like the seasons that aired concurrently, like this past year, of any of the Arrowverse shows are going to have that bonus feature on the set, which is kind of interesting, I guess. But it's kind of a bummer in a way too if you if you end up getting all of them, because then it kind of becomes a redundant bonus feature, like to whatever the next set you pick up is. Especially if like one of the sets, like the Superman and Lois one, only has like that and one other thing on there that basically makes the only other one on the Superman and Lois set like the only bonus feature on that set. And I'm always bummed when there's not like audio commentaries on like TV shows or, or movies and stuff because those are always the stuff I find most fascinating. Yeah. Um, like there's past seasons of The Flash that there's uh, like Kevin Smith had directed a few episodes and there's like a whole feature on there about like him directing that episode of that season. So I like when there's more stuff like that. So at least on this one, uh, there's more like a, a little bit more about like time travel in this one, like with the Flash uh, standing the test of time. There's some deleted scenes and then a gag reel, um, but other than that, it's just the the season again for this one too. So, and um, like I said, that one comes out about a week from today. But that will segue us from our new releases and reviews in to our news segment for the week. So the first bit of news we have this week uh, just got announced, I think, what was it, about maybe a week or so ago now? I think around a week ago, yeah. Yeah, it was that the the Disney uh, Parks character, uh, who you may recognize uh, from your favorite Epcot ride, uh, Figment, is going to be getting his own feature treatment um, from Dan Hernandez, Benji Samet, and Point Grey. Um, Seth Rogen is involved with it as well. Uh, Point Grey is Seth Rogen's company. Um, and Dan Hernandez and Benji Samet uh, wrote the Pokemon Detective Pikachu film. Uh, so, And they're going to be writing this as well. So this... Uh, I'm pretty excited about this. I uh, There's like plenty of ideas of what they could do for like a Figment movie. I think just like, you know, adapting like the whole journey into imagination idea and like of that ride could lend itself very well to a film especially like like i don't know if they're still making it or not but there there was that film that jean favreau was doing for a while that was called magic kingdom magic kingdom right which which i think it quietly just kind of got shelved yeah i do too i think um, because it was more or less like Night at the Museum, but what if at Disneyland? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I could see like something like this almost being like that. There is a South Park kind of essentially a movie um, years ago that was, I think it was called something like Imagination Land or something like that. And even like one of the characters in that episode was essentially... Uh, what was what's the guy's name in the Journey into Imagination? Dreamfinder. Dreamfinder. He was a, he was essentially Dreamfinder, in that in that episode and like that whole like special. They kind of riffed on it a bit so that they could use it, but 
like any IP that you could think of was were in those episodes. Like uh, they had like Star Wars in there and like horror film characters and just like everything. So I must feel like they could do something like that with like a journey into imagination or something like that where they don't need to like lean heavily like on all of the IP that they own uh, but they they could kind of use it uh, in some kind of fashion like that it's just because of like the whole idea of like journeying into imagination and what that could all lend itself to. So, what do you what do you think that they'll end up doing for like the, the premise of this? Movie? I mean, I have some hopes, Mark. How what, they, what, what they're going to do? I so you know I'm old enough to have gone on the original version of that ride. You know, it got changed drastically in like the late '90s, early 2000s. I can't recall the year, but oh, yeah. the original. I, I'm happy that that I got to go on the original version too. That's one of the things I remember from. Like the, one of the last times I went oh, to Disney World was when magic. I was younger. You know, I mean, it's the coolest ride, and uh, you know, Dreamfinder is is he's kind of like Santa Claus with brown hair, you know. <laughs> yeah. uh, but uh, and it has cool, you know. I don't know. I I really sh- should have done my uh, I'm, I'm failing in my Epcot history, but. Um, that cool machine that he had and all that stuff that that, that all got ripped out, uh, oh, yeah. and and uh, in fact, Figment himself got ripped out of the ride, and, and the fans just had an absolute conniption fit, and they they oh, yeah. they jerry rigged him back into the ride, but the ride is just a shadow of what it was. Anyway, my hope is that the movie's gonna be you know more to the original. Marvel and Walt Disney Imagineering did a did a limited run comic book series called figment and yeah. and, and, and you know and had Dreamfinder back in and i'm not sure if it was time travel or what the storyline was but anyway there's so much potential and i'm always just hopeful that they're gonna f- fix that ride you know i don't i i, I don't think they ever yeah. will uh I, you know it's just it's futile to be super ticked about it but i just you know for years was hopeful that disney would restore it you know and bring it back because it was it was so wonderful and they just killed it um which is yeah and what's what's kind of cool about figment too is it almost like oswald in the past i don't know like five or ten years or so has has had more of like a resurgence in popularity too yeah uh especially like with epcot having its like 40th anniversary this oh. year, like a lot, figment all the, over the merch. Yeah, I was gonna be like half the merchandise is figment. <laughs> figment, yeah, figment more or less <laughs> is like the mascot for Epcot now at this yeah. point too, basically. Yeah, just, like, exactly. So maybe this is gonna bode well into kind of a resurgence of, of you know, fixing the ride and and uh, and also do yeah. and uh, having a fun movie, you know, with, with the character. So fingers crossed. Yeah, and I. I trust seth rogan to do this too because he's he's kind of like within of the generation that would have experienced that like the original version of the ride too um so uh, i and he's he's been a great producer on like all of the many things that he's kind of put his like stamp on between like producing uh like invincible uh and like you know many many other things he's also working on that the ninja turtles animated film that's going to be coming out too so 
I definitely have faith in him working on this uh, amongst uh, others, you know, like the, the writers of Detective Pikachu, because that I thought was really great, too. That could have been it's like a whole nother way, but I thought the way that that movie was done was really well. So I'm definitely very uh, optimistic yeah, about too. what I hope it's gonna happen. this has in store for it. I hope it's going to happen. It's going to be good. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but- yeah. Next up, Mark, Illumination has created uh, a new label. Uh, they're calling it Moonlight, and it's going to be focused on uh, on more adult animation. Uh, so you know, different, definitely a different kind of market from the the exceptional kid friendly fare that Illumination has uh, been doing. They've tapped Mike Moon. To run the label, Moon most recently served as the head of adult animation at Netflix, um, which he stepped down from uh, this past summer. And uh, anyway, uh, Moonlight's films will be distributed under Illumination's distribution partnership with Universal. And Illumination said that the goal for Moon, uh, Moonlight is to produce animated films that push beyond the family genre. So uh, they will be... Uh, based at Illumination's headquarters in Santa Monica, California. And then the films will be produced uh, by Illumination Studios Paris. Uh, interesting. I think it's a really, really interesting story. You know, Illumination, clearly they do popular films, you know, that, that many, many people yeah. go see and enjoy. And I'm, I'm excited to see where this, where this might... Go. I feel like the animators are so, are, are, are you know very talented out of that Paris studio, and you know this could be just a really new, interesting artistic avenue for them as well. And, and then the, and, and then we as the audience benefit. You know, at least we as a, as a, a grown ups, right? A grown up audience, right? Is, is, you know, is, should benefit. What do you think about it? Yeah, I definitely think it's interesting to and. I'm wondering if the the label has anything to do with Mike Moon, uh, being kind of like the the head of it. Yeah, yeah. That, that seems the, like the that's name. kind of why it's. Um, but yeah, especially because um, a lot of their films tend to definitely skew younger. Yes. Uh, as well, especially the Minions films. Yeah. Um, like not definitely like not all of the ones that they do are like skewed very young but like definitely the minions ones are uh but i'm i'm happy with stuff like this because like you and i have said before too uh just because something is animated doesn't mean it's for kids uh animation is not a genre it's a medium so the fact that like this big of a, a animation studio is creating kind of like a subdivision label uh for like basically to produce stuff that's not strictly aimed just at like a younger audience and it can be widely viewed for kind of like what we're going to be talking about later is like an animated project that's that is just like another way to tell a, a story that that's just like um the artistic way that they wanted to tell a story um, so I'm I'm excited for like the possibilities of this, especially with like how successful all of their other films have done. That means that 
that'll lead to a little bit more clout for like allowing them to take more chances and stuff that they can do with these films. Yes. So I'm I'm excited for what the possibilities of that would be. And again, like a, adult animation doesn't also necessarily mean that it's going to be like you know, like rated R or. Or that it's like um, Fritz the cat. And you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It it could just mean like it's like not animals talking to each other, farting and stuff. Like yeah, that. yeah. It's not just like so, full of fart jokes and stuff. It's it's you know addressing more serious topics or you know topics that just require yeah. a, a you know level of maturity that that doesn't fit into that kid or family friendly audience. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's a good move. Yeah. And they haven't, like, announced any actual films no, that they're they de- yet. developing with it. Uh, but I'm sure that they definitely already have stuff, like, within, like, the pipeline of it. Because they want to, like, announce that, like, you know, the the label itself. And, you know, not have anything in the pipeline ready yeah. to, like... I could see something maybe like in the next year or two or something. Well, in one, yeah. I, usually with exactly. I was gonna say usually with like animated movies, they wait about two to three years uh, into production before um, they announce anything with it. Yeah. <laughs> Just so that, that that way they don't have to be like, oh, uh, never mind. So that's not like you know like Pixar's new. <laughs> right. Exactly. Or, you know, also, RIP Pixar's new. also of note too, Mark, is that Mike Moon uh, recently served as producer on Netflix's uh, Intergalactic that we're going to be talking about later in the show. And, there you uh, go. It, it all ties back all, into it comes, itself. Yeah, <laughs> all coming together. And I guess this, this last thing I should have brought up when we were talking about uh, Seth Rogen uh, before with, with this uh, was that... Uh, Invincible uh, actor, voice actor, uh, Carrie Payton. Uh, you know he's a bigger voice actor. He's worked on many different things. He's also been on many live action projects as well too. Is that uh, he like they've already basically done voice work for season two, and they've already actually started developing season three for it. So yeah, he said they finished season two. Uh, we're on to season three, uh, but it's hard to say. That, that like when the actual like season would be done uh, just because so much of the animation studios are trying to get so much done and it was projects sitting there with a backpack full of material uh, just like a, the pandemic basically backed up a lot of stuff as far as like production that's like that's why you're seeing a lot of things with uh, like visual effects houses being having like so much work just because they got like all the films being delayed and whatnot like kind of sort of caused like a log jam with some of these things yeah so that's why like with some of the people like complaining like about like how effects are looking uh like in different shows and stuff like that is that's partly to blame for it is just the one of the i guess what you'd call like a like a first world problem for yeah him. Uh, the pa- past few years of uh, the pandemic causing some issues as far as like at least uh, with uh, movie and film and TV pro- like visual effects production so 
that's one of those size notes to that. Uh, but going from there, the next bit of news, I will let Stanford take. Yeah, so, uh, you know, we, uh, I'm not sure, Mark, if we talked about, we might have addressed this, but, but you know, Coolio died. The rapper, the rapper Coolio, and that was, you know, kind of, I mean, a bum, a bum deal. He was a real pop culture, you know, icon, hip hop. He was icon. really young too. Yeah, what was he? The late fifties or something at the, at the yeah. most. Um, so yeah, really a sad, a sad deal. But uh, for sure, we talked about that yes. Futurama is getting rebooted, and uh, Coolio. Uh, his character that he's played previously on Futurama called Kwanzaa Bot, um, yeah. he was able to record some tracks before he died. Yeah, he was 59. Um, yeah. And so uh, the series producer, David X. Cohen, confirmed that Coolio had recorded new dialogue and music for the upcoming Futurama reboot. So anyway, um, he had appeared in three episodes of the original series, Including the directed, excuse me, the directed DVD movie Bender's Big Score as Kwanzaa Bot, who's a robotic patron saint of the celebration of, of, uh, you know, of Kwanzaa, um, and it was a role that, that, you know, blended his persona, uh, you know, into into the into this character. I thought they did. You know, a nice job with it, and I'm glad that at least we get to see one more, one more little bit of of, uh, of Kwanzaa Bot when when uh, Futurama returns on Hulu in uh, in 2023. Yeah, at some point during that time. Yeah, that's uh, that's cool that he was he was able to to record some stuff for that. Uh, kind of like Chadwick Boseman was able to record some stuff as T'Challa yes. for What If. Um, and then he eventually won a won an Emmy for that posthumously. So um, that that's cool that people will get to uh, experience Coolio like one last time, like posthumously in uh, Futurama as uh, his character on the show. I think so too. Uh, <laughs> but a another kind of downer and bummer of another person passing away uh, from uh, many other beloved uh, animated features as well as live action uh, was Angela Lansbury that actually just passed away today as of us recording this on October 11th of 2022 uh, I mean of like course she was in like Bedknobs and Broomsticks with Disney and Be- uh, Mrs. Potts and Beauty and the Beast among you know like tons and tons of, of other well she has such a prolific career you know yeah. starting in the 40s and then, of course, Murder She Wrote on TV was yeah. huge, and yeah, yeah, she was ninety six. So I mean, she got to experience about forty or so more years than than Coolio did, I guess. But uh, still, still sad either way for, for that both of them passed away at either respective age. Yeah, uh, sad deal. And the. Thing for that too is that she always reminded me of my grandma too. So murder she wrote. Yeah, well, yeah, like Angela Lansbury, like just like her whole just like, her, just her, yeah, yeah, like I guess like her whole vibe, I guess, yeah, um, reminded me of my grandma. Yeah, but yeah, my grandma loved murder she wrote too. Um, so 
Yeah, it's it's sad. And the, what's kind of interesting is like like last night I was just I was watching uh, Only Murders in the Building uh, with my wife and son, and there's like a whole there's a murder she wrote joke in that that episode. So it's <laughs> interesting. Interesting timing as yeah. far as like all that went. I'm watching that but, yeah, too, she, Mark. I don't know if I'm to that particular episode. Maybe I, I maybe I maybe I saw that, but anyway. I love that show. Right, we just finished season one last night. I won't give any spoilers away, but that, that, that other than that, there was a murder she wrote joke <laughs> in season one. Okay, so I've seen it. I'm I'm on season two now. I haven't finished season two. Okay, yet, yeah. So then, yeah, you definitely. I saw definitely that. saw it. Yeah, it's been a while, but. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that's gonna do it for our news, uh, and then we will be back in a second with the trailers for this week. All right, and we are back with our trailers for this week. Uh, the first one I will let Stanford take away in, because it is for Wendell and Wild. Yeah, a new trailer. You know, um, we got another trailer for Wendell. <laughs> I think we got a whole bunch of content uh, getting a sight for Wendell and Wild. As you may recall, this is a stop motion animation uh, film that is coming to Netflix. Um, it'll be in theaters too for for. Uh, a week to this this uh, is directed by the great Henry Selleck and produced uh, along as written and starring Jordan Peele so it's it's a fantastic filler ride in, uh, that's about these two characters Wendell and Wilde they are demon brothers and of course they are played by Jordan Peele and Keenan Michael Key. Oh, Keegan Michael Key. Uh, yeah. And they trick a troubled teen whose name is Cat. Um, and and she brings them into the real world, uh, you know, the land of the living from the underworld, and then, of course, mayhem ensues. I think the trailer looks really fun. I mean, I just love seeing... I love stop-motion animation anyway, you know, as we've talked about it. And it looks kind of like a fun... Modern hybrid hybrid of the Nightmare Before Christmas and uh, all sorts of others, you know, all sorts of other stuff. I'm I am i am I'm excited about this. It, it it starts streaming on Netflix on October 28th, and it'll be playing in theaters the week before, or even maybe even longer. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if this is sure. kind of a sleeper hit, you know, or just a big hit because uh, people love you know everybody loves Jordan Peele. And then I think, you know, animation fans, no one's got more cred, street cred for stop motion animation than Henry Selleck does. So uh, anyway, I'm excited. Yeah, I, I had read a, a recent um, article from like an interview that Henry Selleck had done too, where he was talking about like how um, Key and Peele had basically brought him out of like a depression uh, after his film that he had been working on, the what was it the the Shadow was it the Shadow King? Um, and oh, I want to make sure that I did. Did it, it get right canceled there. or did it? Yeah, it was the yeah the Shadow King that because I guess like John Lasseter had, um, kill, well at least killed the version that he had been working on of it. Oh. He said that he was still hoping that the Shadow King project would still be revived one day, um, but at least the like the version that he had been working on with it had been 
basically shell. Was this one last year? Was it Disney? That this got? Yeah, it was. It was. Uh, when was it? Uh, it's I. You know, I vaguely remember this, too. It well, it was definitely at least when uh, and John Lasseter was still working at at Disney. Yeah. Um, so it was at least uh, a couple a couple years ago now, um, just because of you know everything with him, but yeah. So I mean, I mean, I would still love to see anything that Henry Selick's done as far as stop motion animation or anything like that. Yeah. So I'm glad that he he was able to do uh, Wendell and Wild with Key and Peele, and that working with them kind of brought him out of the depression that he had been in from that film that he had been working on and like very passionate about basically just getting shelved um i think it was actually pretty far into production too oh, so wow. um yeah so it is definitely a bummer if, if anything i think that they'd still be able to read maybe redo um like the like the voiceovers for it if they need to i guess um, or I, I don't know outside of having to like, cause that would, that seems like it would take a very long time to have to redo a uh, stop motion animation film yeah. in particular. So, uh, yeah, I, I am excited for Wendell and Wild. Uh, I'm definitely going to try to see the, that in a theater if I can, um, which I guess would be next week that it would start playing. Yeah, I think it's going to be next week. So I need to check week before check your local listings and see when, uh, yeah. If it's not it's like, next should, week, should it's I go the week see, after. Should I go see Black Adam or should I go see Wendell and Wild? <laughs> um. Decisions, decisions. Yeah. Or I mean, because I mean, the the hierarchy of the of uh, which movie I'm about to see is about to change. Um, but with that, uh, speaking of Henry Selleck being depressed uh, by Disney, <laughs> to uh, going to a Disney animated film. Uh, in the new, like, official full trailer for the next Disney animation feature, Strange World. Uh, so this is, like, the first, like, trailer that we got that's kind of, like, showing a little bit more of, like, what the actual storyline yeah, really, is. it reveals the, more of the storyline, yeah. Whereas, like, that first trailer is more kind of, like, here's, like, the, the vibe kinda of our movie. Kind of set the vibe, yeah, kind of set the mood. Yeah, he, yeah, here's, like kind of like if, what we're going for with it and then this one's like okay here's the story to it we're going for kind of a retro uh, so, adventure you know movie yeah and i i'm st i'm still thinking the, like the whole like the whole character design of like the kind of like the adventures of tintin mixed with like a ardman kind of influence uh for this so i'm glad it's it's a little bit slightly different of like what i guess people would usually call like the disney yeah eyes or that kind of uh, design to it. I know our buddy uh, Darren just recently wrapped his shots on the the film too, and one of the lines he did is in the trailer too, where it was oh, where, it's in the trailer, where, isn't so it? Like, where he wants he's like him to sign the his book yeah. Where, where I'm like a, I'm a dad's. big fan of your dad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I, I believe that was one of the shots that Duran did um, but yeah this this movie looks really cool I like like the all the the production and world design to this 
Um, very excited to check it out. And this one comes out like around November 23rd too. So um, this will be just before uh, my wife and son and I go to Disneyland. So nice. I'm wondering if they'll have like any Strange World stuff going on right. at at Disneyland yeah. at that point in time. Cool. It'll be interesting. Because I know sometimes they do I that with so. like... Because it'll be that like that week just after it came out. So then I guess I'm also hoping that I get to see it before we go. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just because that weekend will usually... Thanksgiving weekend will usually be busy. Um, but I think this movie looks really cool and it has a high probability of ending up on my top 10 list of the year uh, just because it's it's a type of film that that i really enjoy just like the whole like kind of adventure uh, type genre of film so i'm definitely very excited to, to check it out how about you oh mark i'm so stoked you know any any time that you know Walt Disney animation studios comes out with one of their features it's just like that's a, that you know that's a, a momentous thing for me because my favorite studio and and uh this this is so far appears to be no you know no exception. I'm 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 really excited to see this. Same, yeah. Um. So yeah, it comes out on November twenty third, like we said, and then the next uh, trailer is kind of so it's for a movie that's already been out for about ten years now, uh, but it's a tenth anniversary celebration trailer for Leica Studios. Paranorman, uh, which for me is still my favorite uh, Leica film yeah. uh, that they've put out. I just really enjoyed all aspects of the story to that movie. Now, with this re-release, it's going to be the first time that it's in its uh, like a a 4K, like a remastered 4K yeah. uh, of the film, which goes hand in hand with the the upcoming 4k uh, blu-rays that are going to be coming out soon that are actually up for pre-order now already on shot factory's website uh, so definitely if you haven't already definitely pre-order those because i just feel like all of like his films will look beautiful in, in 4k um, just because you'll be able to see like all of the like little minute beautiful details they they put into all of their films in here too um, and this is going to be playing, now, it's not going to be playing everywhere, but it's going to be, so it's going to have, uh, back in theaters this, this month, uh, being like week, Halloween weekend screenings through like Alan Draft House in the U.S., um, as well as in partnership with Picture House and Cineworld in the U.K., so at least for me, because I used to we used to have uh, Alamo Draft houses here in Phoenix, uh, but we don't anymore. I don't know. If, do you have any in Salt Lake no, City area? I wish we did, but we we don't. Yeah, that seems like you would too, just because with the the film festival, yeah, with Sundance you'd and whatnot, you think that, that that might be. Yeah, but like, El what's what's up with that Alamo? Why, why do you have a a theater there? You, it seemed like you got, yeah, build one in uh, Salt Lake, or at least um, in Park but, City, you know, where the where the yeah. kind of the headquarters of the festival is. But yeah, yeah, I wish I almost wish this this was kind of like a Fathom re-release. I know. At least. I checked the Fathom events website and they don't have you know they don't have it. 
uh, on there. So. Yeah, like the only one on there is from like I think like last year, uh, when it like when Fathom did do uh, like a screening for it, but it wasn't like any kind of restoration. Yeah, I think it was just like commemoration. I think it was when the when those when the Blu-rays came out. Yeah. Of these last year or so, right. like Coraline and Paranorman came out yeah. with that. But yeah, I'm bummed because I I would really like to see this again in theaters because, like I said, it's my favorite film of theirs. So any chance I'd have to be able to see it again in theaters would be awesome. But I think the closest Alamo to me now is in California. Oh, okay. Yeah, because they have them in Los Angeles. Um, yeah, did but, they, did those fare better? They stayed open. I, I I don't know. I haven't checked. Yeah, yeah. Those are oh. The, so it's yeah. It's so it's at um, the Academy Museum of Motion Pictures, and I believe they also have that whole Leica exhibit there right now too. Uh, the Academy Museum oh, of cool. Motion Pictures. Um, but yeah, the, there's there's screenings in Tennessee, Illinois, Ohio, uh, New York. These ones in Massachusetts would probably be fun for uh, for Paranorman. Oh yeah, on Salem there. Uh, but outside of that, yeah, it doesn't look like anywhere else uh, besides other cities that have Alamo Draft House theaters. But uh, from there, uh, we'll speak on our next. Uh, let's let's go over to feature. Japan, and uh, there's some, yeah. uh, you know, again Netflix. We're just, I think, starting to really get the fruits of all of Netflix's heavy investment in animation that they that they did, and now that they've had to pull back from a bit. But we can be grateful that they've, you know, been able to create some stuff. This is yeah. uh, a hybrid stop motion and compute and CGI animated film called Oni: Thunder God's Tale. Um, it's also just known as Oni, which you spelled O-N-I, and yeah. Um, according to what I've read, Mar, this is actually going to be some sort of a series, almost like a mini series or what. But this is the, the yeah. first kind of the first iteration or episode or yeah, kind of like with uh, with um, Lost Alley that we watched. Yeah, 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 yeah. Similar kind of kind of a, just a limited series. Yeah. Uh but yeah, it looks very interesting, yeah, especially oh, like the striking. character design styles. Yeah, it's it's set in a world filled with oddball gods and monsters of Japanese mythology, and it follows one of the creature's free-spirited daughters, whose name is Onari, who is determined to follow in the footsteps of the mighty heroes of lore, but her unique powers are yet to be revealed. The series explores whether she has the power to protect her peaceful village. From the encroaching presence of the mysterious Oni who threatened the gods, um, but the trailer the trailer looks cool. I just thought I was just really wowed by by how how unique and kind of trippy the whole thing, all oh, the whole thing, yeah. given given the combination of how they made it. Yeah, and that comes out about ten days from when we're recording this on the twenty first. Yes, and it's mm. the production companies listed are Netflix and then Tonko house which i would assume is is uh you know an animation studio in japan yeah but anyway uh, you know that looks but, interesting and again i think that it's it's kind of like youtube excuse me um netflix 
kids maybe kind of oriented but uh yeah well at least that's how, like how it's being branded. how it's being yeah and um, and but i think anybody who's into the anime and and also just you know kind of experimental animation is going to be something to definitely check out yeah speaking of people that like squeaky toys sylvie is back sylvie's, uh, <laughs> sylvie's back <laughs> uh-huh yeah I, with i'm i'm my son is uh like very much into like anime and um japanese culture so i'm wondering if he'll have any kind of interest yeah in this is gonna that. be so an maybe, interest maybe i'll check that out with him for sure um but speaking of stuff uh from that originates from like the the far east uh, the Super Mario Brothers uh, movie trailer came out. We spoke about Illumination a little bit a while ago. This is kind of like a in conjunction with both Illumination and Nintendo. Uh, N- I guess Nintendo of America, so it's not specifically like Nintendo of, <laughs> of Japan. But so the big thing that was coming out of this was everyone was wondering like what Chris Pratt's version of Mario was going to sound like. <laughs> And basically, just kind of sounds like it Chris sounds Pratt. Like Chris Mario. Pratt, and then the internet blew up uh, with with uh, commentary about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't really. They, I, I like that they at least have um, the original Mario voice actor in the film, uh, Charles uh, Martinet. Yeah, uh, but. I'm not sure, like, what his, like, as far as, like, what his role in the movie is. And there's definitely, like, two kind of schools of thought, at least, for this movie, too, is, like, should he play, like, this, like, should the Mario that's in this be, like, this very stereotypical, um, almost, like, characteristic version of, like, an Italian Italian. voice? Or should it be, like, what... Uh, like the like the original Mario voice was uh, like from the I want to say was it like the early '90s animated series or so? But like because Mario's supposed to be from Brooklyn, he's not act he's like not actually Italian. Yeah. Um, like he's like well he's Italian in that like he's Italian but he's from Brooklyn. Yeah. Um, so like he Mario had more of a Brooklyn accent than like you know some kind of uh, amalgamation of what would be considered, I guess, an Italian accent. Uh, so, so some people think like like Chris Pratt's voice in here is like more trying to go for the Brooklyn uh, Mario accent type voice, which I can kind of kind of hear. I mean, he only talks for like three or four lines in this trailer, so it's like not really that. <laughs> much enough to base any kind of like a hard opinion off of since you're not you're, you're getting less than like a sentence of dialogue of what he's saying in this uh i do like the, the little bit of like the sounds you hear of charlie day's luigi yeah i mean just again just kind of sounds like charlie day's yeah. luigi uh i like jack black as bowser in here too uh, that his like his choices with that are a little bit different from like his normal kind of like Jack Black voice. There's like a, at one point where it kind of 
kind of skews a little bit into Poe territory a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, I, I liked Keegan-Michael Key as Toad, uh, so that'll be interesting. And then I believe we didn't hear them, but like Seth Rogen will be in there as Donkey Kong. Uh, and then I believe Anya Taylor-Joy is going to be Princess Peach in this too. Uh, and I, I really liked the visual style of this trailer too. too. It's like very, very faithful to the character designs of like the more recent, yeah, uh, like next generation consoles. Yeah. So I feel like very much the same way that the I don't know how many people saw it, but the Ratchet and Clank animated film yeah. from years ago that like essentially was just straight up the like the video games as an animated film because that that was like straight up the same. CG animation that you would see like in the cut scenes of that film but just like as like the entire movie that's basically what this Super Mario Brothers movie feels like so I'm glad if anything like that's what we're here for is the animation too so I'm very happy for what this looks like I like the humor in here too it's it's more of like that high the high brow illumination yes uh, humor too at least from what's in this yeah, it's not just like fart jokes uh, yeah, I, I liked the whole smart stuff with like the like the the penguins in this yes. trailer too. So I thought that was very fun. You know, Mark, I'm I'm probably not necessarily the one one to ask because I remember. I mean, I remember playing um, you know Donkey Kong and Mario, you know Mario Brothers and very different iterations, uh, particularly like on the oh, yeah, N- on the too. NES. Uh, so you know, old, older too. school. But. Uh, you know, everybody was so commenting. At least all the stuff I saw on Twitter, everybody was just whining about Chris Pratt's voice, and and no one was commenting on at least, at least what I saw of how good the animation looked. I thought I would just just yeah. to echo what you're saying. I thought that the animation looked terrific, and that they were really not only true to it, but they just made it look fantastic. You know, and and I, it got me excited for the film just to spend time in the, you know in this world that they have that they have adapted from from the video games and. Anyway, yeah. you know, again, I'm not the one. I'm not the one to ask, but I thought it looked great. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like what's popular to do on the internet now is uh, complain and be cynical about a lot of things. Yeah. Yep. There's there's many, um, not to skew too far off what we're talking about. There's but there's like many podcasts that at least that I used to listen to that I've kind of stopped listening to just because they've become. Like, it's okay to be critical of stuff you watch, but then, like, when it gets to the point where, like, you already know that you don't like a specific thing. Yeah. Why, like, why even choose to watch it at that point? Because you already have a built-in preconceived thoughts on it already at that point. And then just, like, overall, like, cynicism about, like, everything... (laughs) So like I've I've dropped a lot of like my like my own personal podcasts that I used to listen to just just because of that. So I don't know that's why I at least kind of like with this show that I do with you and then like with Holder that I try to keep stuff like I to be you can be critical and talk about stuff that I don't necessarily like in whatever it is but to still try to remain positive. Yeah, like, I really appreciate your positive tone, Mark, cuz I'm with you. I think that's what's I think that's important. There's there's enough negativity on the internet. We don't, there's no need to add. There's oh, no need to add to it. <laughs> yeah. No no need to defeat the trolls. They're yeah. they're fat enough. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. So, 
So true. Well, so this but, this next movie, Mark, is really a trippy yeah. one. It's, and I'm I'm not sure I'm saying the name right. It's it's Gudetama, an excellent adventure, and I should say egg, excellent adventure. Uh, <laughs> this is another hybrid film, stop motion animation. Probably some, at least it looks like it. Maybe it's all CGI. Yeah, but do you know what this reminded me? Of? Well, so it's it's about an egg yolk who's got yeah, a little face. People on have probably it. seen this because it's like a popular, uh, like meme and yeah, um, you've like probably seen it in like like a like an FYE or like a Hot Topic or a box lunch uh, like store too, just because it's like a very popular like brand um, as well. But yeah. So this this excellent adventure, it to me looks really similar, kind of at least in style, to uh, Marcel the shell with shoes on. Yeah. Given that they've got you know this this yoke, this you know this <laughs> the, the this person, but that it is interacting with the live you know environment and and being small and. And all this stuff. Uh, what it says is it's it's a lethargic, empathetic road trip series about finding one's parents for everyone who just wants to laze about. <laughs> so anyway, uh, it you know you need to you need to watch the trailer so you can kind of get an idea of what, what this is. But it's it's a series. It starts streaming uh, December thirteenth. On Netflix, I don't know if this is going to be necessarily this, you know, one of these earlier episodes going to be put in the theater or not. Given that it's, you know, a series rather than a movie, you know, rather than a feature. But, yeah. but anyway, and I don't know if they're if if they're going to be dumping all of the episodes on December thirteenth or if they're going to be you know releasing them over time. But it's it's definitely distinctive, and as you said. Kind of this pop culture phenomenon, so you know, good for Netflix for trying to capitalize on that yeah. too. Yeah, uh, I th- it might be end up being like the same thing as like the like again like the Lost Ollie, where it's yeah, like a like a limited series to all drop like all at the same time too. Yeah, um, so so that should be interesting. Uh, yeah, and speaking of Marcel Shell, uh, A twenty four did a special uh, like four K and Blu ray release for that that comes out tomorrow too oh cool that one i that one i didn't get a copy of yet um but i definitely will want to pick that up because it's like one of my favorite movies of the year it so was I'll a good definitely... one and h a24 does great uh like the same way like criterion and uh arrow films and like even like paramount uh select does with kind of like their boutique collection type films uh a24 has done that pretty well recently the past few years or so too like uh, like with uh, midsummer and the last black man of san francisco um and then like now this with marcel the shell um so definitely pick up marcel the shell too and then uh we, we had talked about that a few episodes back too uh then the last trailer that we have is for the hbo max tv series velma uh that's going to be coming out uh, from mindy kaling uh, and this animation style, like if you've if you've seen like the trailers for like um, 
like the Harley Quinn series. It's a similar-ish yeah, it looks uh, like animation that. style yeah. to that. Uh, now and then, like again, like it's going to be like in that same kind of vein where it's like a more adult take on the characters. Um, and like we were saying with like there being negativity online, uh, just because you know there's a lot of inherent racism online too. Uh, a lot of the characters in this are you know kind of being changed up a bit from what they're normally portrayed as. So like Mindy Kaling's. Uh, doing the voice of Velma in this, so she'll be South Asian, similar to Mindy Kaling herself. Um, and then Constance Wu, uh, who you may remember from like Fresh Off the Boat, is voicing Daphne in here. Uh, so she's also going to be of Asian descent in here as well. Uh, and then we have um, Glenn Howerton is going to be doing the voice of Fred in here so that'll be interesting with yeah I thought, that would be, I thought that was gonna be interesting too uh, and then we have uh so i i like this too with uh sam richardson is going to be doing and he's not listed as shaggy like in the like the character poster but as norville so i thought that was kind of cool too because for those, those who know that like norville is actually shaggy's real name um in the Scooby-Doo universe. And the show is actually not going to include Scooby-Doo, too. So, yeah, which Scooby-Doo's I, not even in it, which, which I, is kind of cool, yeah. actually. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's pretty funny, too. It's like, just, it's, I don't know, it's partly funny to see, like, like, these people that have bad faith arguments and stuff get, like, so, like, butthurt about, like, these things that, really don't matter to the the character overall and it's it's fine to have diversity this diversity in these shows and to change up like how the characters are portrayed so you can come at the stories from different angles and whatnot and i like that we're also getting like other guest stars in here too like melissa fermero is going to be in there jane lynch is doing a voice in there as well wanda sykes uh frank welker uh who yeah. did the the voice for fred uh, fred yeah um, is going to is going to be um, named William Jones on Velma, uh, so that'll be interesting. Uh, so which I think I think he's oh yeah he's playing Fred's dad. So I I like that kind of touch where uh, where the original Fred is playing Fred's dad. So that's kind of cool. Um, yeah. And then we have yeah there's there's a whole a weird Al is going to be in here too. <laughs> um, Ming Na Wen is voicing a character. So, I I'm looking forward to this. I really like the like the look of this show too. Like like we were saying, um, between kind of the visual style of what they're going for on here, and there's already been like a whole bunch of different takes on like Scooby Doo and various Scooby Doo animated series over like however many years it's been at this point. Um, and then you Decades. know with the the recent film. Uh, that they just did of Scooby-Doo 2 where um, Scoob was, Oh yeah, where Oh yeah, but then like the what was the it was just the the recent movie where the where Velma was shown to be a lesbian in that as well too. So it's it's great to like see like this constant kind of evolution of the characters especially to continue to make them like relevant like nowadays especially after the characters were created um, what was it? 
The sixties. What, what was the original? Yeah. Let me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna double check this just so I have the, like the correct info on that. But the yeah, September thirteenth of nineteen sixty nine. Yeah. So, um, it's now twenty twenty two. So they they've been a while around for a while at this point. You know, Mark, watching this trailer. I agree with you. It reminded me kind of the Harley Quinn stuff. And then it just, you know, and as we talked about, this this is a series probably made more for grown-ups than for kids. Uh, and yeah. But kids who grew up with Scooby-Doo are probably going to really, you know, enjoy it. But my hope was just like, please, HBO Max, don't cancel this. Like, you know, because it just seems like HBO Max and Warner Brothers right now is they're just in a mess. And... Oh, yeah. And... Uh, that was... Anyway, that was the other thing that I saw today too, where they were closing. What was the stage? Yeah, I read 13? a couple of things. Yeah, kind of some of their creative spaces. Yeah, which is or... like a, a yeah, which is a stage that's stage been used at least in the past few years to help, like, um, was it like to foster new talent? Yeah, with fostering new voices of uh, less heard voices like for minorities and yeah whatnot so it uh, it a lot of the stuff that's being done there has seemed to make it so that a lot and lot less of those voices are heard which is not inherently good for that to, to keep happening there and it's not a not a good look um but yeah so like i'm hoping that this doesn't become like a like a weird casualty of what's seemingly going on over at Warner Brothers right now yeah. with all of that. So that is our trailers for the week, and then we'll be back in one more moment with our recommendations, and then we'll speak on our main review of Intergalactic. So we'll be back in a second. All right, and we're back with our recommendations for the week. Uh, mine this week is a recent release that just dropped on Disney Plus. Uh, which is Werewolf by Night, which is directed by Michael Giacchino. Yes, Michael Giacchino, uh, famous music composer who's done many uh, of the films for Pixar, as you know, as well as Marvel, and just a lot of stuff. Lost many, many different things. A great composer, also a great director. Uh, uh, side note is that uh, our buddy Ralph, who's been on Animation Fascination before, uh, he there's a some some Easter eggs that are uh, in the in this that are uh, kind of look, that point out to Ralph in here too. So if you can if you can find those uh, at a certain point in the tombs of the special, you may see Ralph's name on on one of them at one point as well too. Uh, so that's some some fun stuff there to check out. Uh, but yeah, I enjoyed this a lot. It was it was like just under an hour long. I liked. Uh, how it was done. I liked the the music that Giacchino composed for this too, because he did, did double duty with both directing and composing. Yeah, he did like a special. Uh, he did like the Marvel um, special presentation intro music that's on this, and then he did like a special version of the Marvel Studios fanfare with this that was done, uh, kind of with like a like a chorus in it too, to kind of be a homage to like the Universal Pictures like monster films, even like the. Like the whole title card and like the jittering of like the frames there's like little like the little cigarette burns on it as well too from like where like the film would be spliced together cool in the theater um, yeah 
That's that's for people that both have seen Fight Club or worked at an older movie yeah. theater where you would have um, had real to real, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Which none of this digital I, I, stuff. I, yeah, I got I got to experience that for a short time when I was when I worked as a projectionist for a little while. At the same time as I was working at Blockbuster, oh, cool. so I got to experience both. both the both two things that don't really exist anymore but at the time you know um, blockbuster but, was yeah. cutting edge you know yeah yeah also threading film into a projector at a movie theater is an art all of itself and yes. dealing dealing with a like a brain wrap is what it would be called is like when like the film got like wedged or stuck in the, oh, yeah. the projector that was always fun uh but i i thoroughly enjoyed this i liked the practical kind of effects with like even like with the the werewolf suit uh, that was used in this, and then actually even the character of Manthing in this is mostly puppeteer and practical with like just some like digital enhancements to you know kind of remove some of the seams from stuff in there. But for the most part, is actually mostly practical. So I just really liked how this was done. I'm hopeful to get like more stuff like this. Like I know the the Guardians holiday special is also going to be like another special presentation. Uh, but I'd like to see, I guess this could be like kind of like their new one shot. Yeah, it's like kind of like, like, like a new one shot. A little extended. This, yeah, it could be like longer versions of like what those one shots mm-hmm. would be like. If it's a character that they don't necessarily want to do like a full, I don't know, like six to nine to 18 episode Disney plus series with, and they just want to like test out the market of whatever that character may be like, squirrel girl or something like that just like on a uh, 45 to like 50 minute uh special i think that this could be a way to like do that and then like they show up down the road again like a like in a tv series or a movie or something like that yeah i really enjoyed this and i think anybody um that's looking for something spooky or fun like in this like kind of vein for this time of year is definitely something to check out i'm excited to watch more i haven't watched it yet just but, but I'm planning on it, and I'm and this just makes yeah, me want to watch it even it. more. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, I'm glad. I'm especially glad as a good. fan of, yeah, especially as a fan of like like older films yeah. and stuff like that, you'll you'll very much enjoy. It. It's it's really a love letter to to like the Universal like Universal monsters. monsters. Yeah, it's, yeah, just because Giacchino's like a huge fan of like those kind of films anyway. So it's basically him getting to express his love for like those type of movies i just think it's so great he got to direct it yeah he's done a few other like shorts too but it it was cool that like he got to like do this itself yeah yeah that's a great thing and you know and cool content to be putting on disney plus i think yeah so uh definitely yeah awesome i'm gonna check that out for sure uh mine's not nearly as interesting mark and i I'm, i'm i'm a little uh, hesitant to even bring it up, but I will anyway. So, um, one of my friends, uh, his name is Ibrahim, aka Mark Brown. He um, he was an avid reader, Mark, of of the Animation Fascination website, and and uh, yeah, he st- he still likes all of our posts on there, and yeah. he was just a really faithful reader you know of all the all of the content we put out and 
I just appreciate it a lot, you know, because you, know, you never know if anybody's reading anything and if they're enjoying it or hating yeah. it or whatever. And and right. he was always uh, very kind and very appreciative and, and, and just responsive generally, you know. So I just appreciated that. Yeah. So we've just remained friends over the years. And he, on his um, YouTube channel, uh, does... And uh, uh, his own, he creates his own little uh, game show of who wants to be based on who wants to be a millionaire. He calls it "Who Wants to Be a Millionaire" animation edition, but it's the same format. You know, you've got the series of questions to ask, and of course, you're not playing. He's he he uh, has a a gift card that he gives. You know, the winner of the, of, of each season, but um, oh, nice. which is really nice of him to do. You know. But but anyway, I've been on his show a few times, and this one I think was just was it was particularly uh, fun for me, and so I thought, well, I'll just throw it out there in case anybody has some interest in wanting to check out not only this episode but some of some of Ibrahim's uh, or Mark's others other um, seasons of this show. I think I've been on. A, he was telling me, I think this is either my fifth or sixth appearance over the. I mean, uh-huh. over the years. And Mark, I think you kindly were one of my lifelines on one of the episodes. I mean, you know, many many years ago. But he's kind of changed the way he he does lifelines now. On the, I was going to say, did show. you? I don't. Did you have to use? I'm not sure that? I had to I use remember. it. And then, I, or huh. if I did, I should. If I didn't, I should have because I always would lose. You know? <laughs> so. Uh, Oh, yeah. uh, anyway, I would have so, benefited from your, you know, from your expertise. But uh, anyway, this this just this this most yeah. recent one that, that you know that you that I've given you that link to, in the notes, um, was pretty fun. So, just throwing it out there, yeah. and, you know, just kind of my own, in nerdy, <laughs> way. <laughs> yeah, it'll be nice to to repay it the the favor of him reading. Uh, all of the stuff on the site to linking back to his site through well yeah because again like i just snake eating its own tail i just appreciated so much what what just what a loyal reader was and how just just how how kind it was always just so helpful to know that somebody was reading it reading the content and yeah i just appreciated it so much so um anyway and the, and the, and, the, and this was fun and mark generates all of the questions you know he he does the research and I mean, it's a real labor of love that he does, you know, for this for his game show. And That's so, cool. I really, I really respect that and 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 appreciate so much all of the hard work he puts into making that a really nice experience for his contestants. Very yeah, cool. I'll I'll check it out. Yeah, <laughs> see, old man, me. <laughs> <laughs> You're a bachelor now. This is a bachelor pad. You haven't seen Carmen in six months? And she just Beetlejuices back into your life out of nowhere? Come on! She's not back into my life, Jimmy. Good! Keep it that way. I'm your new neighbor, Jabari. Nice to meet you. I met him. Girl, is that your neighbor? Yeah. Alright, and that was the trailer for Kid Cudi's Intergalactic, uh, which just recently dropped on September 28th on Netflix. Uh, it is, it's about, I want to say it was like about an hour and 45 minutes or so. Uh, just watched, I just myself watched it last night, uh, 
when did you did you watch it just recently? Oh yeah, you yeah when it? when we said that that was where we were going to. I've watched it over the last few days. Um, it might have been um, last weekend, but anyway, yeah, recent. Yeah, I'm not sure why it's called a TV special too, because it's it's like a feature length, ninety two minutes. Yeah, like the yeah. only thing I think of is like it's kind of broken into, like an episodic nature, like with like how it says episode one. Yeah, and whatnot, but it it was released as like it's like a contained. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not sure like what all went into like why like what it's con- make, considered making it like a TV special. Yeah, I wondered that too. If it was if it, you know they had envisioned it to be kind of separated in these segments, or was that just part of the narrative? You know, to try to uh, break down this love story. You know, or just just kind of talk about these different components of this love of this love story. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, we, we'll have to ask Kid. <laughs> yeah. uh, now I, for like for me, like I I'm going to get like like the little bit of negative out of the way, and then just talk about everything else that I like about it. So I think the only th- thing um, that wasn't all that great about the movie was that it had kind of like a like a just kind of like generic kind of love story type uh, storyline to it with like with how it was like kind of splayed out in a way um, but everything surrounding that as far as like the uh, animation visuals and how those were portrayed and the um, creativity that went into like a lot of the framing of shots and transitions and just like just the animation in general for this, as well as uh, Kikari's music in the film too, used in conjunction with like the the different scenes, uh, and then like the different visual animation styles for like different like different stories that were told like within the framing of the movie too. I thought were were great and were done very well. That so I think if anything that was like the only downside was that it's had kind of like a generic yeah like love story for the most part that wasn't like super groundbreaking um but outside of that everything else that went into that made it different enough that i still really enjoyed it yeah no i really appreciate what you're saying mark because i I felt the same way that the love story was kind of just run-of-the-mill uh that you might just get really kind of in any love story or, or uh, you know, because in, in a way, in and of itself, the love story is, 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 is very formulaic. It follows the classic, you know, boy gets girl, boy loses girl, boy gets girl back. Uh, yeah. And, and I guess for me, it didn't necessarily detract my enjoyment of it. I, thought, I guess I found it... Given given the way that they did the animation, just as you expertly said, with just you know the variety of shots and the creativity in that, yeah, that's what elevated it for me because the the story itself was wasn't particularly interesting. Again, I just found you just kind of predict what was going to happen, but uh, right. But 
I had wondered if if it had had a more creative love story, if the visuals might have gotten lost or put by the wayside. I don't know. I guess then we'll never know. But but uh, the visuals, I just I enjoyed watching this movie so much because it was so visually interesting and and yeah. uh it just knocked my socks off you know i just saw the way that the way that they did uh the you know the way they did the animation and i, I might when i post the short for this episode i might post like a short video that i shot um on my phone and my tv while i was watching it uh, just because i have I have, like, kind of, like, interactive uh, backlight behind my TV. Oh, yeah. So that, so, which really lended itself well to uh, this movie. Um, that I'll I'll show you so that you can see it on screen while we're recording this. Uh, obviously, nobody else will be able to see it, but um, I, it, it really kind of helped when I was watching it just to feel even more like immersed like in oh in yeah cool story of it you can just kind of see like the like the purple and like blue lighting like changing like even specifically like when um like you can see like like when the cab like drives by you see like the, the lighting change with that too. <laughs> it's like it was seamed so, up mark <laughs> yeah i i thought that was great um and i've I had originally kind of said this too, but I didn't like, like when I looked at like at least what the filmmaker said, they didn't say anything about this. Um, but like my wife even kind of agreed. She thought it looked like th that it was done like in a similar style to like the into the spider verse. Yeah. Uh, Sony animation films. Uh, like I could see it taking place like straight up, like that miles is like down, like, like three or four miles down the road doing a Spider-Man stuff while this is going on. Yeah. Um, because it's it's a very similar style to that. Just because like those like that first movie already for Spider Man into Spider Verse was done with such a like a visual flourish and style to it, and this equally so to that. What I saw for this was that said that the influence for the film's design were I Lost My Body, and When Harry Met Sally, which the the When Harry Met Sally I thought was kind of funny. I think that is more so like as far as like tonally yeah i say just all about the tone yeah again following that classic romantic comedy drama formula you know yeah like and then the lot i lost my body i can see that a bit too with like that's got its own kind of like um cinematography yes. as well as uh like visual storytelling to that that's also like a very different kind of movie yeah uh these characters oh go ahead sorry yeah i was just i was gonna say like if someone just saw a shot from it they might think it's about um like the things origin story from adam's family but it's, it's <laughs> definitely not right well and you know the character designs really could have been pulled out of from you know uh spider-man film uh yeah in that you know, they just—I thought they, just the way that they, the way that they look, and the way that they were animated. I think just as far as just like their, you know, how the models were built for for the characters, yeah. it just seemed it seemed very reminiscent 
of that to me. But again, I don't know if that was, you know, intentional or, or what. And it didn't. And then I got kind of got lost in the film, and then I stopped thinking about Spider Man, and I just just was enjoying, you know, the ride I was. Oh on. yeah. Yeah, and I liked that his character uh, was a comic book artist as well too. So maybe that kind of lent to like the visual style of yes. the film with that too. Uh, even though like his uh, comic book character that he created in it you know, is a very different visual style from other uh, comic book characters, even like shown sure. in in here too. Um, like the the Mister Rager character, and that was like a, another thing I noticed while watching the film. There's a bunch of uh, or at least three QR codes that you may notice while watching the movie. Yeah. And I, I happened to scan one of them at one point, which brought me to a digital copy of uh, a Mr. Rager comic book. So, oh, cool. Um, oh, okay. I'll, I didn't try it. I'll put a link. <laughs> yeah, I tried it. I, I noticed the two other ones before it, uh, I didn't, and I didn't scan them, but I waited until this last one, and I did do that one. Oh, good call. Um, and it just happened to be the the comic book one. So then I I'll put this link in our show notes too. But it's like it's um, basically explains what the three QR codes are that you can find in the movie. Because there was one to that. There's one to the uh, soundtrack to the movie, which is also on Apple Music. Um, so if you enjoy the music too, and then the uh, hoodie that uh, Kid Cudi's character wears throughout the film the the red closure hoodie uh you can you, you can, can actually buy, buy that hoodie if you want one of those uh, cool um which is 90 dollars. okay so uh if you really like the movie a lot and you really like that hoodie a lot and you got 90 dollars to drop on a hoodie um uh, well <laughs> you can't buy it because it's out of stock ah, it's out of stock so, yeah dang so, so uh, i guess a bunch of people already they snagged 90 dollars that they wanted to drop on a hoodie yeah and they bought it. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I always kind of like when they do make kind of like one-for-one replicas oh, of stuff sure. that you see in movies or TV shows. So, like, if you liked that thing enough and you're like, I want to have exactly what I saw yeah. that person wearing in this thing. Yeah. Because like, I've done that before, like, you know, with Stranger Things, they just had the Hellfire Club, like, Raglan shirts. So those were like a huge seller recently i have one of those so cool um i like it more when it's like a a subtle shirt that maybe someone wore like in the background that wasn't like very well highlighted in it but gotcha. like if you watch a movie and, and you saw it you're like oh okay i, I recognize yeah. that yeah um but yeah i i really liked the music in here I too. Did too i love um, the music yeah, I thought it was really well done. If he was he was in the most recent Bill and Ted movie too, which I thought playing himself, uh, so I thought that was cool in that too. This had it had a pretty great cast in it too. It was so between himself, uh, it also had a Jessica Williams as the character Meadow. He he played Jabari in it. Uh, Timothy Chalamet was Jimmy. Uh, Tyrone Griffin Jr. was Kai. Laura Harrier was Carmen. Uh, Vanessa Hudgens was Karina. And a lot of these, the character design is done so that it's reminiscent of the person that's doing the voice, but not like a right. one for one. Um, the uh, Chris Abbott does, is a Reed. 
Daniel Daniela Balbuena as Nadia, Jaden Smith as Jordan, uh, Keith David as it was Mr. Rager, um, which I when I heard his voice I was like, oh nice. I know. Uh, so great having Tiana Keith Taylor. David. Yeah, um, as a boxing coach, uh, Macaulay Culkin was Downtown Pat, which like his character design was definitely very uh, close to, I want to say like mid two thousands yeah. late. Uh, 2000s Macaulay Culkin look. Uh, Luis Guzman uh, was also his character design was very close to like how he looks in real life as well too. So I don't know. I, I really liked this. I thought it uh, overall was a a well done film both visually and I like that we're getting uh, films done more like in these creative styles and out of the box. Uh, to the norm of uh, what we tend to see a lot with uh, a lot of animated films. Uh, so I do like to see like this variation of, of stuff with them too. Uh, me too, Mark. You know, this, I think, uh, I guess it kind of brings it full circle and stuff that we talked about earlier in the episode in that uh, this is such a perfect example of using animation as a medium and not a genre. Because it... Yep. It was a wonderful medium to tell this, you know, even though it's kind of a run-of-the-mill love story, these characters still were, you know, pretty stylish and pretty unique as far as just characters go. And I, yeah. and it was, a, it was a really interesting way to tell a love story. I just, you know, I don't think I've really seen any, anything quite like this. And I, you know, I liked, it, I liked it a lot. It's definitely, it's ready to TVMA, you know, and it deserves it. But, you know... Yeah. We're you know we're adults. So that's what I was expect. You know, I mean, there was like no, nothing uh, shocking there. It's a story about you know two adults falling in love, and uh, I I I was really I, I I was very impressed by it. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I th- I think if anything, the animation added to it. Like like we had kind of said with this story, like maybe if it had been just done like as like a straight like live action. Yeah. Uh, film maybe it wouldn't have like registered as much for us as it did and maybe because i feel like a lot of the other stuff in here would have been harder to do and maybe would have been more expensive to do in live action especially oh, yeah some of like the mr rager stuff and i think it made the film like more of like a beautiful overall telling of what he wanted to do with this mm-hmm. an expression of that rather than had it just been like a like a live action uh a short film or like mini series or something along those lines with yeah. it. So I, I'm all for them, like more people doing more, uh, kind of stuff like this. Oh, okay. So I, I did finally find a review where it wasn't just us saying the spider verse stuff. It So, um, I found a review that said, Randy Jones of Pastro intergalactic is a sweet romantic comedy as it is an ethereal animated odyssey, it's stylish, colorful, love-lettered animation and the simplicity of black love in the modern age. It feels like the love child between When Harry Met Sally and Spider-Verse for a black demographic to who deserves stories like this no matter what medium they're presented in. Yeah, so, well said. Go. Yeah, so I, I definitely would highly recommend this to anybody that hasn't watched it yet. Um, there's there's plenty of stuff that's on Netflix nowadays. There's plenty of content that's going on nowadays too, like across all the different streaming services. But I 
I would definitely suggest checking this out as soon as you can. Uh, and it's definitely one of those other things that I wish I could kind of been able to see in a theater just because of how visually uh, standing it is. But I, I guess I, at least I'm, I'm lucky to have like that that lighting behind my TV, which kind of right, which enhanced. Immer- <laughs> uh, yeah, immersed me into it a little bit oh, more. Oh yeah. So cool. But I I think uh, unless you have anything else to say about it, I think that'll wrap us up. For yeah. This episode. Yeah. Good. All right. Yeah. All right, everybody. So that uh, we'll have um, we'll have the link straight to like the Netflix page for that too. So if you already have Netflix, you can just click on that link in the show note, and it'll bring you straight to that listing on Netflix, and you can add it to you can start watching if you want to. Um, and I'll put the QR code stuff in there too. Uh, but yeah, so don't forget you can follow us individually on Twitter. I'm at Mark Herbert, so that's just my first and last name. M A R C V I B B E R T. Uh, Stanford. I'm at Stanford Park. And that's how it sounds. <laughs> not any special, not not any special spelling like. No Mark. special spelling. Uh, you can. Yeah, just, just... <laughs> yeah. Um, you can find the show on Facebook and uh, Instagram by searching for uh, Animation Fascination. On Twitter by looking for Animated Podcast. And then you can email us at animationfascinationpodcast at gmail.com you can visit our website where all these episodes are posted as well at animationfascination.net you can find links there for Animation Fascination merch uh, our episodes are edited by Trent Bactor uh, but I'm Mark Robert so for myself, Stanford Clark uh, thank you for listening and make sure to tune in again next time